serve a big God, amen? A big God, a a giving God, a loving God, a forgiving God, a healing God. I mean, all those things. So when we gather as the body of Christ and we get to worship Him, we we celebrate His character. The characteristics and the qualities that we see in who He is. He's faithful. He can be trusted. But just that song that we were just singing, so much bigger than what we we really think about sometimes. But we serve a big God. And uh, so... Today, I want us to kind of continue our series. We're doing this message series called Right on the Money. And uh, Pastor Brandon did an incredible job last week. If y'all would give Pastor Brandon a hand, did a really good job of kind of bringing it home, giving you guys some practical uh, teaching and, and some application. And uh, so today, I want us to kind of continue to dig into some of these things that get in the way of us being right with our money. And so, if you got your outline, you kind of follow along. We used this passage a couple of weeks ago when I taught. Uh, out of Ecclesiastes 5.19, it's a gift from God. So whatever wealth you have is a gift from God. So it says, and it, it is a good thing to receive wealth from God and the good health to enjoy it. To enjoy your work and accept your lot in life, this is indeed a gift from God. So we talked about a couple of weeks ago that we're rich, right? If you guys drove here today, you're rich. If you have food in the pantry, you're rich. If you have extra change laying around your house or in your your uh, ashtray or whatever it might be, if you have a car that has an ashtray anymore, but if you have that, you have what we call wealth. And so we are a rich nation. We are a rich people. We're in a rich community. And so we've just got to be willing to embrace that, not be ashamed of it. Just say, you know what, God, I am rich. And thank you for blessing me in so many ways. But here's the thing, to whom much has been given, much will be required, right? So we have to be responsible with what we have been blessed with. And so we want to manage it well. We want to make sure that we're good stewards of it. And so, but I think it always is good to look back and say, you know what? It's a gift from God. Sometimes I think we look at wealth or we look at money or we look at stuff and we see it as a burden. And it can be a burden to take care of things. You have to cut the grass. You have to pay the rent for the storage facility or whatever. And it can kind of seem frustrating. And then sometimes we've got so much stuff. We're like, man, what are we doing with all this stuff? And it can feel like a burden. But here's the thing. God has given you stuff. He has blessed you with stuff so that you can be a blessing to others. Now, some of you guys went home and got rid of stuff. You gave away stuff. That's awesome. Some of it came here to the church. Uh, I walked in and to Pastor Nate's office and I said, what is all this? Because I thought his... His office was messy. I was like, dude, what's going on? And he said, man, this is stuff. Somebody listened to your message. So that was cool. Somebody listened anyway. And so we realized, you know, we're so blessed. We have so much stuff that we don't have room for it. And if we're not using it, let's, let's give it to somebody that can use it. Let's bless somebody. So let's have that generous mentality, that generosity mentality to where we want to be a blessing to others. So everything that we have, all that we have is a gift from God. So let's look at this passage here. It says, my child, this is, this is Proverbs 3. And, uh, and I don't know if you guys know who wrote Proverbs, but it's uh, King Solomon. And so anybody in here remember, I date myself here, anybody remember the, the old commercial E.F. Hutton, where if E.F. Hutton says, and everybody listen, anybody remember that? Four of you? Okay, a couple of you guys remember that? Yeah, but back in the day, there would be this commercial, and these people would be talking, they'd be doing something, all of a sudden somebody says, well, you know, my guy is E.F. Hutton, and E.F. Hutton says, and everybody would stop and listen in. And be like, hey, what did E.F. Hutton say? Because, hey, that, that dude knows how to make money, is what it was about. And so the thing is, is, you know, if we're going to listen to E.F. Hutton, you think, all right, well, that guy knows how to make money. But here's the guy. This is the richest man in the world, King Solomon. Wisest man in the world. And so if you're going to listen to anybody instead of E.F. Hutton, we ought to be listening to what? Scripture and what King Solomon has to say here in Proverbs. So let's listen to what he says. He says, my child, never forget the things I have taught you. Store my commands 
in your heart. All right, so number one, let's stop there. Just pause for just a second. It says, never forget the things I have taught you, the, the, the precepts of God, the, the foundational truths of God's word. So what he's saying, hey, listen, don't forget these things. If anything, hide them, store, the, store my commands in your heart. Hide these things in your heart. You know, David, King David said, God, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And so whenever we, we read this, it says, store my commands in your heart. Make sure that, you know what, you're guarding your heart. For the heart is the wellspring of life, is what Scripture says. And so if anything, we ought to be listening today as go, you know what, God, help me to search my heart. We said this a couple of weeks ago. If our heart is right, the money's right. If our heart is corrupt, the money can be corrupt. And so we've got to be able to say, hey, God, help me to search my heart. Make sure that you know that it's right. And here he said, hey, store God's word, store God's commands in your heart. If you do this, you have many years and your life will be satisfying. You have a satisfying life. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them down within your what? Heart. See, God is more concerned about your heart than your wallet because he knows if your wallet is, is if your heart is right, your wallet will be right. If your if your heart is right, your stuff will be right. If your heart is right, your relationships will be right. If your heart is right, it, it, and that's everything comes back to this. So over and over, we see in Scripture that God is drilling down. He is dealing with the heart of man. Everything that we do flows from the heart. The words that we speak, the bitterness, the resentment, the, the anger, the rage, whatever—it comes from where. The heart. God is worried about your heart. He's dealing with your heart. He says, so never let loyalty and kindness leave you. In other words, let that be something that you're known for, that it becomes part of who you are. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Write these things. Write them down. There's a reason we try to get you guys to write things down, because if we write things down, we have a tendency to what? Remember them. And so when we write things down, it kind of increases that. So write them down deep within your heart. Then you will find favor with both God and people, and you will earn a good reputation. Now, a good reputation is a positive thing. Reputation is what? It is what you're known for, correct? So are you known as, uh, you know, being a good guy, a godly guy, a godly woman, a righteous lady? Are you known as a generous person or a greedy person? What, what is your reputation? Are you one who is a hoarder? You know, because that's almost considered a sickness, right? And so what, what, are you, what is your reputation? Are you a flirt? Are you faithful? Are you loyal? Or can you, you know, I mean, what are you? So what is your reputation? And here, they're saying trust in the Lord with all of your heart. It says, but then you will find favor with God and people and you will earn a good reputation. Look at the next one. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Our reasoning, our thinking is so contaminated at times, not only by what we bring to the table, but by the world is always presenting. So the world is often giving a different perspective from what God presents. And so we oftentimes will lean into our own self and we'll say, all right, well, God, you know, that doesn't make sense. God, that doesn't add up. But the thing is, is the Bible is teaching us here. And again, richest man in the world, wisest man in the world, trust in the Lord with all of your what again? Your heart. The core of who you are. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. So in other words, you seek him. Now, my prayer is always that our church is made up of people who are seeking God. They were chasing after God. They were seeking him in the workplace. We're seeking him in the, in the school. We're seeking him, you know, in our career. We're seeking his will. God, what do you want me to do? What have you gifted me to do? God, what have you equipped me to do? 
And so my prayer is that our people would be known as people who are seeking God, who are chasing after God. Because here's the thing is we're seeking him. The Bible says we will find him, correct? So if we seek him, we're going to find him. And here's the thing. He's saying he will direct our paths. He'll give us direction. He'll show us the right choice, the right path. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Too often, we're not seeking him. We're seeking the dollar. We're seeking the most money. We're seeking, you know, the world's affections, or we're seeking the world's approval rather than seeking God. And what it says, you know, here is that, hey, seek God first, man, and he'll show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn from evil. So don't be impressed with yourself so much. In other words, take yourself, you know, uh, you know, sometimes with a grain of salt, you know, that we sit here and say, you know what, man, I'm not the sharpest crayon in the box. I may not know everything, but I know a God who does. He is my father. He is my loving father. He cares about me. He cares about the details of my life. He cares about the decisions that I make. So don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Here, the richest man in the world. It's saying, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. So in other words, God should get our best. Throughout Scripture, we see where it said, hey, bring your choice fruit. Bring your very best. Bring your first fruits. And we're going to talk about this a little bit later, but it shouldn't be something that we kind of give to God or we we return to God kind of as a last-ditch effort. But it should be one of the first things we do. And so he says, honor the Lord with your wealth and the best and with the best part of everything that you produce. Then he will fill your barns and with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. What he said, hey, listen, man, if you will take care of those things, dude, I'm just telling you, God will provide food and drink and everything that you need. God will provide. And so if we look back, we realize, you know what? Everything that I have is a gift from God. Everything that I have is a gift from God. And God is concerned about how I handle what I have been given. And so this next one here, and I think this is important for us to understand, your money is not your money. You know, a lot of times we, we, we think about our money and we, we say, you know, well, that's, that's mine. And I don't know about you guys, but I can remember with my three boys, my oldest son, his first word was ball. And then my second son, his, his, sec, his first word was, was daddy. And my third son, his first word was daddy. Now, Laurie didn't like that, but I loved it. You know, it was one of those cool things I like. Yeah, all right, daddy's boy, right there, I like it. But I can remember it wasn't long until they learned another word called mine. Right? Y'all kids, did y'all have to teach your kids that? And so there's times we, I would be down playing with the kids, and you know, and they would have all these toys over there, and they would see me pick up something, and, and all of a sudden they said, that's mine. And they would go over and they would take it and be like, that's mine. So I grabbed something else, they would lay that down, they would walk over, that, that's mine. That's mine. Did y'all do that? Did y'all's kids do that? You know, we don't have to teach people to be what? Greedy? Or, or selfish? Or, you know, or, or, hey, that everything is mine? That's kind of our mentality. And, and so what we have this mentality as adults, we grow up and we go, hey, that's mine. But really, we don't, we don't own it. Look at what it says here in Psalms 24. It says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. For he laid the earth's foundations on the seas and built it on the ocean's depths. Who may climb the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? Only those whose hands and what? Hearts are pure. Who do not worship idols. 
and never tell lies. They will receive the Lord's blessings and have a, have a right relationship with God their Savior. Now what I love about that is it deals with the heart again. God continues to drive it back down. Hey, it's the heart. You know, and, and it's talking about idols. Sometimes the idol is money itself. Money is just a tool. I mean, money is just a tool. That's all it is. And, but we, we, it's the love of money that becomes evil, right? The love of money becomes a idol that we worship. And so maybe we don't worship, you know, cars and houses, but maybe we worship money. Or maybe we don't really say, well, I don't really worship money, but I worship cars and houses or fame or whatever it might be or athletes. And it can be all kinds of things. And so the Bible is addressing those who are pure in heart. Remember, we are to guard our heart for it is the wellspring of life. Too often, we allow our heart to be contaminated by the teachings of the world and by our own selfish greed. See, my boys, I didn't have to teach them how to be selfish and to say, that's mine. I didn't have to teach them that. It just kind of came natural. Every one of us in this room have literally, you know, if we, when we were born, we were part of the, the, the blood of Adam, the first Adam who sinned. And so the thing is, is we, we realize, you know, because of that sin nature, that I didn't have to be taught how to do things wrong. I didn't have to be taught how to sin. It came natural. And so the thing is, is every one of us in here have missed it. We have missed God's, God's mark, if you will, which is perfection or which is holiness. And so we all have sinned. We are all, we've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. And so if you have ever told a lie, you have sinned. If you have ever been selfish, you have sinned. If you've ever been greedy, you have sinned. And I know people oftentimes will say, well, you know, I, I wasn't a bad guy. You know, I've never really done anything wrong. And I grew up in church. But here's the thing is if you have ever broken any of God's word, you are a sinner in need of a savior. And so when Jesus went to the cross and he bled out his precious blood, it was to pay for the sins of the world. He said that whenever he established communion or the Lord's Supper that night. He made it clear. He said, my blood will literally, this represents my blood will be given for the sins of many. It will bring salvation to many. And so whenever we put our faith in Christ, we realize, you know what? Man, I become his. I become a child of God. I become part of his family. And, and, and so the thing is, is I have messed up. I have blown it. I am a sinner. I am in need of a savior. And, and, and so I love the fact that, you know what? Whenever I placed my faith in Christ for salvation, I became his. I became his property. And here's the thing. Before that even, I was his, but now I'm his child. I was his creation, but now I'm his child. I have been purchased by the blood of Christ and I am a part of his family. And I would just say this. I am a bond servant of Christ. And I proudly say that I am a servant of the Most High. I am a servant of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I want to be that. And there's that desire in me to live for Him. And so I often think about how, you know, we, we sing a song. We didn't sing it today. We sang it last Sunday, I think, where it says, we live for Him. We live for you. And I often ask myself, do I really live for God? Do I live for Him completely? Am I fully committed? Am I fully devoted? You know, or am I living for Mike and I just want a little Jesus mixed in? And so whenever I, I think about that statement, man, what I have is not mine. So the money that I have is not mine anyway. The money that you have is not yours, it's whose? It's God's. So what the question is, is hey, how will we manage that? How will we handle what God has trusted us with? And so if we say, you know what? God, everything, that, everything that's in the earth, you own. It is yours. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns it all. And so the question is, is God, you have trusted me with it. So will I be found faithful? And so, because of that sin nature, every person in this room has missed the mark and is in need of a Savior.
Now look at that last passage there, verse 5 there. It says, they will receive the Lord's blessing and have a right relationship with God, their Savior, which is the Son, Jesus Christ, who made the way. God made the way. He sent his Son to the cross for us. Look at this next statement here. It says, how we manage God's money says tons about our faith. So how we manage God's money, because it's not my money, right? It's not my money, it's God's money. So it's how I manage God's money, says tons about my faith. So we've talked about the heart. The heart is critical. But here's the other thing, is faith is critical. We're not saved by works. Everybody wants to earn stuff, right? We want to earn our salvation. There's some of you like, hey, well, if I'll memorize more scripture, or if I go to church every Sunday when the doors are open, if I'll do this, if I'll do that, then maybe God will accept me. And you're thinking, I'll earn my way to God. And here's the thing, that's not the way it works. It is by faith that we are able to have a right relationship with God. It's God's grace through faith. God's grace, God's grace says you don't deserve it. But here's the thing, through faith, you receive it. It is a gift. It goes back to wealth is a gift. Salvation is a gift. We cannot earn it. And I think sometimes we, we go, well, you know what? I have to earn a paycheck and I have to earn this. You don't earn salvation. You will never qualify. Apart from what Christ does. And it's by us putting our faith in what Christ has done that makes us in right standing with God. So how we, how we manage God's money says tons about our faith. Look at what it says here. In Hebrews eleven six says, and it is impossible to please God. Impossible to please God without faith. Impossible to please Him without faith. Anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and that He rewards those who sincerely, what? Seek Him. Remember, here it is about seeking Him again. So here's what I love. So to even believe that there is a God and to pray to him, I must believe that there is a God. I believe that there's a God who hears me. I believe there's a God who cares about the details of my life. And so by faith, I approach the throne of grace. By faith, I worship. Whenever we were in here singing songs earlier, meant by faith, we are lifting these up to a holy God who we can't see. But we see the effects like the wind in the hearts of people and the lives of people around us. We see this God. But here's the thing, by faith, by faith we, we, we serve Him. By faith we, we love Him. By faith we pray to Him. By faith we go out and we speak the message of the gospel. I was telling the first service, I got a text this morning from a friend of mine. He said, man, I'm praying for you today as you present the gospel. And, and, and I texted him back and I said, hey, listen, man, I pray that the kingdom of God is expanded today because the good news has been preached. You know, and so here's the thing. He and I are, are pastors, but you know what we are? We are servants to the Most High. And, and so what we have done, we said we, we surrender our lives. God, we want to live for you. And we want to live by faith in the Son of God. We want to walk by faith with the Son of God. And so for all of us in this room, we've got to say, you know what, God, where's my faith at? All right, it's about my heart, but God, what about my faith? Do I live by faith? Do I just talk about faith or do I really live by faith? And so it is impossible to please God. So in other words, we can never be in right standing with God. It's impossible to please Him apart from faith. And faith, man, is being confident of those things we can't see and put our hands on. But listen to what it says. And anyone who wants to come to Him must believe that God exists and He rewards those who sincerely seek Him. So even in your prayers, it comes back to faith. There's, there's a, a couple of... I had a... I shared with some people this past week about living by faith... How many of you guys in here feel like you have an exciting life? Raise your hand. All two of y'all? Three of y'all? Four of y'all? Okay. A couple of you guys have an exciting life. Well, here, let me tell you. They're the only ones in the room, really, to be honest with you, in God's will. 
Shame on the rest of you. Because here's the thing. If you're living by faith, you should be living an exciting life. Now, you might be going, well, I don't want to sound like I'm bragging, Mike. But you know what I'm saying? But the thing is, is we should be living an exciting life. If we're followers of Christ, we should be living an exciting life because we're walking by faith, not by sight. We're walking by faith. We're seeing the hand of God move because, you know what? It's impossible to please God without faith. But if we're just kind of going through the motions and we're just kind of doing what we've always done, and we're just kind of living life and we're living for ourselves and we're not living by faith, let me tell you, you're missing out on an exciting life. And too often I feel like we don't want to mess it up. We want to kind of go through life and just kind of be humble. Hey, man, God, I just want to, I just want to do, I want to do what I enjoy doing. But I'm just telling you, if you're not living an exciting life, maybe you're not walking by faith. I think about some of the characters in Scripture. Man, some of the characters that we look back and we go, man, they walk by faith. I think about Abram, where God says, hey, listen, I want you to pack up everything and I want you to move. And he goes, where are we going, God? And Abram would become Abraham. And he would say, hey, listen, I want you to pack up and I want you to move. And I'll tell you when we get there. Kind of like, hey, Dad says, hey, guys, come on, get in the car. We're leaving. And you go, hey, where are we going? Don't worry about it. I'll tell you when we get there. And for some of y'all, that would wig you out. But here's the thing is, Abraham follows him. And we call him the father of faith, Abraham. Father Abraham, right? We even sang songs as kids about Father Abraham. But here's the thing. He was a man of faith. He trusted God. He lived an exciting life. You go back and you read the stories of Abraham, and it's exciting to read about it. You know, I, I think about Peter. Peter is in the boat. He sees Jesus coming, walking on the water. They're all afraid. And he says, he said, Jesus, if it's you, call me and I'll come to you. And so Peter gets out of the boat, begins to walk towards Christ. And as long as he stays focused on Christ, man, he's walking on the water. Only other person to do that. None of the disciples did that. They're all sitting in a boat, kind of peering over the, you know, the bow of the boat. But he gets out and walks towards Christ. And when he took his eyes off Christ, he began to sink because he focused on the wind and the waves. But what I love about that thing is, you know, that Peter literally got out of the boat. He at least attempted that. And he experienced something that nobody else experienced. What an exciting life. The life of Peter. And the most of us, we always remember, you know, he denied Christ. But he also preached to the multitudes. And 3,000 people were added to the number that day. Exciting life? Man, there's nothing like that. And, and so I think, about, I think about Abraham. I think about Peter. You know, and, and I, I think about King David. Two things that King David's normally remembered for. One is a, a battle with who? Goliath, right? And the other is that he cheated with Bathsheba and he had her husband killed. Those are the two things we tend to remember him by. But you know, if you go back and you look at the life of David, King David had fought the bear and the lion with his bare hands and killed him. That's pretty doggone cool to me. You know what I'm saying? And I'm sitting there thinking, that's kind of an exciting life. You know, so he had, he had literally fought a bear, fought a lion, killed him. And so he goes, and, you know, and, and we think, you know, man, that's pretty impressive that he goes over there to where Saul and him are at and where this big Philistine is coming out and he's taunting the armies of the living God. And, and, and literally, he's looking around like, what are you guys doing? Why is everybody hiding? His brothers are hiding. King Saul is hiding. For 40 days he's been coming out there taunting them. And then he goes, I'll fight him. And his brothers get offended. They kind of get a little butt hurt. And they're like, hey, what's wrong with you, dude? I mean, we've been out here doing this. What are you thinking? And so they want him to go, take your cheese and wine and go back home. And he walks over to Saul and he says, listen, I'll fight this giant. And so the thing I love about that story, it says he ran to the battle line. You're talking about exciting. You're talking about faith. Man, so he literally runs to the battle line. Man, he flings that rock. He sinks it into his skull, drops him and takes him out. 
You know, and we go, man, that, what an awesome story. Every time there's a big football team playing a little football team, we, we think about the David and Goliath story. But he lived by faith. He lived by faith. He had an exciting life. I think about Apostle Paul. We talked about him a few weeks ago. Apostle Paul was trying to do everything he could to destroy the, the church, which would be us, the teaching called the way, which was the, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets the Father except through me. And so he was doing everything he could to shut down this teaching. And so what Paul was doing was he thought was the right thing. He had an encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus, and it wrecked his life. It changed him forever. But here's the thing. He knew who he had met, and by faith he began to preach the gospel almost immediately. He began to share with others the good news of Christ. And then he was willing to go anywhere and everywhere. He became the greatest missionary, second only to Christ. And he would literally go into places where they didn't want anything to do with Christianity. And they had gods, all kinds of gods. And he would go in and he would share the gospel. He would look for ways to find common ground with someone. And he would literally present the gospel of Jesus Christ. And people would come to know Christ. And a church would be established in that community. And so he would literally continue to stay connected with them. Building them up, teaching them, and equipping them. I mean, what an exciting life. I mean, he was thrown in prison multiple times. He was stoned. He was shipwrecked. He was snake bitten. But man, he was on an adventure, right? He was living his faith out. Seeking, seeking God. Presenting the gospel. I want you guys to look around this room. Look how many people are in this room. Just look around. What if, what if everybody in this room this week said, you know what, man, I'm going to live by faith. I'm going to trust, I'm going to trust God like I've never trusted Him before. And God, I'm going to ask you, if you will, to let me be a voice, kind of like Paul was, to share the good news of Christ, that people can be saved, that their sins can be washed away, they can be made in right standing with God. And God, I am trusting you to use me this week to share that good news with somebody that I go to school with, or somebody that I work with, or somebody that I have lunch with. But what if this many people began to live by faith in such a way that it began to share the gospel, and listen, listen, the darkness of our community began to be pushed back. Souls were being saved. Lives were being changed. Man, let me tell you, you talking about an exciting life? If you've never led anybody to Christ, I'm just telling you, there's no high like that. There's no high like that. You might go out there and you might say, man, I'd like to get a buzz on this or that. There's nothing that will compare to you leading someone to Christ and their soul being impacted for an eternity. There's nothing like it. But I'm just telling you, it takes living by faith. It takes being courageous and brave enough and bold enough, like Paul was. To, I mean, to meet a, a, an absolute stranger and say, hey, listen, man, have you ever have you heard the story of Christ? Have you heard that Jesus was crucified, that the Romans crucified him, thinking they were snuffing him out? But really what they were doing is they were fulfilling Scripture. And by him bleeding out his precious blood, he has washed away your sins. And all you have to do is put your faith in who Christ is and receive the gift of eternal life. What if this many people walked into this community this week and shared that story with someone every day of the week? I'm just telling you, the church would explode. Not just this church, but the the community. The church as a whole, international, global, would literally begin to explode if that many people said, you know what, God, I want to be on mission. God, I I want to be, I, I want to live an exciting life. I want to live by faith. I want to walk by faith. And so here's the thing, we're saved by faith, but we're also supposed to walk by faith with Christ. What if we were to live by faith in every area of our life? Look at what it says 
in Malachi here it says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not hit the ground. They will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And so what, what he's saying, hey, listen, live by faith with everything that I have given you. Like I said, the, the money you have is not your own. Does anybody in here have any cash? Anybody raise your hand if you got cash? I know y'all scared to do that when a preacher asks that question. If you got cash, anybody got a $1 bill? Who's got a $1 bill? You got a $1 bill? Would you, would you trade it for this $10 bill? Well, come on up here. Let's trade. Bring your $1 bill. I'll trade with you. You got to have it on you, man. You got it? It's a good deal. I'm just telling you. It's a really good deal. Wouldn't you all agree with that? That's a good deal. Yeah. Hey, he didn't waste no time. There you go, bro. All right. You snooze, you lose. All right. So here's the thing. So I had a $10 bill. And a tithe of that $10 bill is what? $1, right? So I gave him $10. He returned to me $1. But he's responsible to manage that because that's God's money, right? See, it wasn't my money to give. It's really, it's God's money. If, if we look at it that way, it's God's money. And we just say, God, you have entrusted me with this. So, God, I am returning what you have commanded me. If we go back to the very first passage I read today, hide his commandments in your heart. And so, God, you have commanded me to do this. And so, God, I trust you. So here's the thing. God has trusted me. He has trusted me with what he has given me. So the question is, is do I trust him with what he has commanded me? He has trusted me. So whatever you have, it doesn't matter, whatever you have money-wise that you think is yours, really the question is, is God has trusted you. So the question is, do you trust him? Now we trust God for salvation, because we don't want to go to hell, man. We got trust, But do we trust him in every area of our life? And so here, it's obvious that God says, hey, listen, return the tithe. The giving starts above and beyond that. But here's the thing, return the tithe. That was a pretty good deal. Man, I mean, literally, he got $9 for $1 the way we looked at. But, but if we look at our, our blessing, we say, you know what? Everything I have is a gift from God. And so, God, you have blessed me with this. You have given me this. And so, God, I want to return what you have commanded me to do. So by faith, I tithe. And I, listen, I know how math is. A lot of times we go, Mike, I can't afford to tithe. Who do you trust? Do you trust you? Because a while ago it said... Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your what? Your own understanding. Your own math. But to trust God in that area. And a lot of people would give you a hard time and say, you know, Mike, you shouldn't be teaching that. Because some people are, man, they're strapped. They're living paycheck to paycheck. And I understand that. Most of America is. Most people, if they miss one or two paychecks, man, they're sunk. But it's because we are, we're, we're literally slave to lenders. We have so much debt, we can't make it. And, and, and so, but here's the thing, we want to live large. We want to enjoy all the stuff that everybody else is enjoying. The thing is, is maybe we just haven't managed what we've been given well. And maybe if we were to give up some of the things that we're holding on to, maybe God would give us peace of mind. And here's the thing, maybe he would trust us with more because we have trusted him with his commands. Last week, Pastor Brandon shared this with you guys, so I'm not going to totally unpack everything. I thought he did a great job with this, but uh, let me just say this. Money is a tool to be managed. Like this right here, I mean, I hope you guys understand, there's nothing, that's just a piece of paper. That's just a tool. It's just, it's just a, you know, a unit of money, if you will. It's just a tool. It's just a piece of paper. There's nothing evil about it. But whenever I begin to worship that, it becomes an idol. 
If I worship what it purchases, that is an idol. And so the thing I've got to be willing to say, you know what, that's just a tool. God, help me to be a good manager and a good, you know, uh, help me to be skilled with the tools that you have blessed me with. And so Pastor Brandon covered this last week. So signs that you are managing God's money. So this is a, this is a positive angle is spending decisions are planned and prayerful. So in other words, you put together a budget. A planned spending is called a budget. So you plan your spending and you're prayerful about it. God, is this what you want me to spend this money on? God, is this how you want me to manage this? And so we're prayerful about what we do. Now that is not the norm. I'll just go ahead and tell you, that is not the norm in our society. It is impulse buy, right? Everything that is on your TV is trying its best to get you to impulse buy. How many of you guys are guilty of impulse buying? Raise your hand. Some of you guys are liars. I'm just telling you. I am, I mean, I, I can get snookered in on impulse buying like, man, I, I need one of those. I don't need it, but they make me think I do. You know what I'm saying? And then it's like, well, I don't really need it, but I want it. Well, I don't really want that because I have bought that and I've had buyer's regret type deal. So, but here's the thing. Some of you guys are probably need to go ahead and confess your sin of lying today. Because I'm just telling you, most of America are impulse buyers. So here's the thing. You have got to be willing to plan and be prayerful about what you do. Be planned and prayerful. Here's the other one. You prioritize your use of money in this order. Giving first. Remember a while ago it talked about first fruits? Honor God with the best that you have. With, uh, with your first fruits. We go all the way back to Genesis. It was the first thing that t- was taken care of. You give your first fruits. You give the best that you have. And so you give that to God. So your giving should be first saving, debt, taxes, then living. So giving, saving, living is the way that Brandon kind of presented it last week. With your debt, your taxes in there. All right, so look at it again. So giving, the very first thing I ought to do whenever I receive any kind of pay is, all right, God, how, how do you want me to give? Obviously, he's already commanded us, hey, return the tithe. But God, how do you want me to give? Is there something you want me to give? Is there somebody you want me to bless? Is there somebody that I need to, to give to that, God, you have blessed me with so much. Help me to give to someone who has little. And, and so we've got to be willing to say, God, help me to give first. Then here's the other thing. Save. We've got to save some to set some apart. Because we don't want to live paycheck to paycheck. And you might say, well, Mike, that's living by faith. So, no, sometimes that's just living dumb. You know, so we've got to, God has told us to, to give, to save, and then to literally live. But we've got, also got to make sure we take care of debt. You know, get a snowball eraser going. Man, start eliminating that debt so that you can save more or you can live a little better. And then taxes. We are told to honor. God's word tells us to honor the taxes. We hate them. Does everybody hate taxes? I mean, I mean, Jesus only asked for 10%. You know, the government gets a whole lot more than that. So it's one of those things that's frustrating. And then the last one here, you don't constantly compare what you have to what your neighbors or family have. If you're always looking and going, man, I wish I had what they have. Boy, I wish I had their car. Boy, I wish I had their money. Boy, I wish I had whatever. Then you're coveting that sin. That is sinful to covet what someone else has. So we've got to be willing to say, hey, God, thank you for the gifts that you've given me. God, thank you for trusting me with what you have given me. And God, help me to be faithful to trust you with what you have commanded me. Look at what it says here. It says, teach those. We read this passage uh, two weeks ago. Teach those who are rich in this world. That's all of us in this room. You may not feel that way, but you are. <laughs> teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. He's given us everything that we've got. And so we've got to be able to say, God, I trust you, not my money, and you've blessed me with so much. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Excuse me. Always be being, being ready to share with others. <coughs> By doing this, they will be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. 
<coughs> we talked about this. I want us to experience true life as a church. I want you as an individual to experience true life. So does God. That's his word, right? So one of the things we're working on is we're going to do a workshop in a couple of weeks. And the next Sunday is Fall of Palooza. And we need everybody that can be here to be here. And so you might say, well, that's for the kids. Mike, I'm an adult. You know, or I'm a senior adult. Listen, come up and serve. It ain't about you. It's about them for a moment. You know, we want to bless them. We want to serve them. We want to make a difference in our community. So next Sunday is doing that. The following Sunday on November the 3rd, we're going to try to do a workshop. It'll be, it'll be right after the services. And so there may be some of you that you go, Mike, I don't know how to manage my money. All right, we want to help you. We want to teach you some basics. And so we've got a guy who, who, uh, who's going to teach that. <coughs> Excuse me. Who's one of our members, and he's going to teach that, and he wants to help you put together a budget or a plan. And then down here at the bottom, if you'll look, I, I gave you guys a couple of resources called Financial Peace University, DaveRamsey.com. You can go there. That's one of the things. We have a life group that uh, that we do. There's one going to be in uh, January that will be starting up. You know, maybe that's a good time for you to kind of start. You know, hey, the new year we're going to. We're going to start uh, managing our, our finances the right way. But here's my thing, is this is October. Don't wait until January to start getting your, your, your things in order. That's kind of like putting it off. If you put it off, you'll, you'll walk away. If you feel conviction today, you say, well, you know, I'll just wait until January. Satan loves that. He loves that. And then here's another one, crownministries.org. You can go there. And that is a great ministry. It's really biblically based, but it's on ma- managing and being a good steward. And then the last one, I was broke, now I'm not. Uh, a friend of mine runs that uh, ministry there. They have incredible resources on the website. You can go there, and it's trying to help you to be debt-free. So those are some good things. So here's some next steps. So next steps for me today, and I think this is important. Number one, I choose to live my life for Jesus in every area of my life. So in every area. So in other words, what we're saying, God, I really want to live by faith in every area of my life. So that includes my work. God, I want my career to be about you. I want it to be by faith. God, my marriage, I want to I want to live out my marriage by faith. God, how I parent, I want to parent by faith. God, I want to, I want to work, you know, whatever it might be. I want to save. I want to, I want to financially, God, honor you with, uh, with everything by faith. I want to tithe by faith. But God, I want to, I want to line it with you. And so there's the next one. Start tithing and trust God instead of myself. God, I want to start tithing. I want to trust you. God, you trusted me with what I've got. It's God, I pray today that I have the courage to trust you. You're faithful. We said it earlier. He's a big God. He's a giving God. He's a gracious God. He's a healing God. He's a loving God. He's a forgiving God. And then that last one, set up a budget and follow it. You might say, well, I don't, I don't want to wait two weeks to do that. I'm going to do that today. Then go to the, one of those websites and get it set up. But here's the thing. Get your, begin to get your finances in order so that you honor God in every area. And don't wait. Don't put it off. Don't let Satan talk you into doing something later. Say, you know what? Today. So that... That first one says, I choose to live my life for Jesus today. So maybe today is that moment, you know, of reckoning for you. You say, you know what, God? I haven't been living by faith. I haven't been honoring you. I haven't been trusting you. But God, you sure seem to trust me. So God, I want to I I live for you from this point forward. Today is the moment that something's going to give. Something's going to change. So I want to ask you, if you will, to bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you a couple of questions. One, do you live by faith? Maybe you were honest a while ago and you didn't raise your hand. You said you didn't live an exciting life because you don't. Because you don't live by faith. You live by what you know. 
You live by what you think you bring to the table rather than what God brings to the table. Maybe you don't trust God with your finances. Even though He's trusted you with the blessings, you don't trust Him. He is faithful. He is gracious. He is giving. He is a big God. Here's what I love about that, though. He wants a relationship with you. He wants to bless you even more. There may be some of somebody here in this room, you've never put your faith in Christ for salvation. You've never been saved. You're a sinner. You've blown it. you messed up. You know that. And you're thinking, man, I wish God would let me in. I'm telling you, He wants to. It's up to you. It's your faith. Do you trust Him? Do you trust the God of the universe who created all things, who spoke all things into existence, that provided the way of salvation through His Son, Jesus, that He said, hey, listen... I want a relationship with you. So he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, to bleed out his blood, so that the, sin, the, the sins that you have committed would be covered and atoned for. You might say, man, I, Mike, that's what I want. Then it's by faith that you're saved. By faith in what Jesus Christ has done. And so maybe you're here today and you go, Mike, that is what I need. I need, I need to give my life to Christ. Then I want to give you an opportunity. It's a simple prayer that we pray. But it's not so much the prayer of your mouth as much as it is the surrender of your heart. But right where you're at, I want you, to, I want you to pray the simple prayer. Say, Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. Jesus, I believe that you went to the cross, and I believe that you died for me. Jesus, I believe that you bled out your precious blood for my sins, for my mistakes, for my greed. And I want to ask you, if you will, to forgive me. And his answer, I'm telling you, is yes. He would tell you that's what he went to the cross for. So, Jesus, I want to ask you to forgive me of my sins. His word says that he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all unrighteousness. And the second thing is, is we repent. We turn to Christ. We say, God, I've been, I've been living wrong. I've been living the wrong way. I've been following the pattern of the world. I haven't been honoring you. I haven't been honoring your commandments. And so, Jesus, I want to quit living the way I've been living. I want to live for you. Jesus, will you come into my heart? Will you be my leader? Will you be my Lord? Will you be my Savior? And his answer is yes. It's you putting your faith in what Jesus has done. And it's receiving the gift of eternal life. It's not trying to earn it. You actually cheapen the cross when you try to earn it. It's just receiving that incredible gift. If you just prayed that prayer, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. Just say, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. I just ask Christ to come into my life. Anybody in the room? There's people praying for you right now. Anybody in the room? Just, Mike, that's me. I see your hand back here. Anybody else? I mean, I know it takes a lot of courage to raise your hand. Anybody else? So, Mike, I just prayed that prayer. Just ask Christ to come into my life. I see you hanging. Praise God. God loves you, man. He wants a relationship with you. And you just established that by faith. Anybody else? There's two. They've gone from death unto life. Literally, their life will be changed forever. And some of y'all brought them with you. That's awesome. God's going to bless you for that. Thank you for living by faith. There's a lot of Christians in this room. There's two new Christians in this room. I love that. But there's a lot of Christians in this room that aren't living by faith and your life is not exciting. Let me ask you, what will it take for you to finally start living by faith, walking with Him, walking in step with Christ and saying, God, use me. I am your servant. I am your vessel. I want to be used for great and mighty things. And God, I want to know what it means to live by faith daily. God, here I am. Use me. Maybe that's you. I want, to, I want to ask you if you would raise your hand. Say, Mike, I haven't been living by faith from this point forward. I do. I just want to say, raise your hand. 
Nobody's looking around but me. Trace hands. Mike, I haven't been living like I should. I haven't been living by faith, but I want to from this point forward. I thank you for your hands. Anybody else? Man, I haven't been living by faith, but I want to. I desire to. I desire to be used by God. I'm tired of just talking a bunch of junk. God, I want to, I want to see action. I see hands everywhere. Well, let's do it. Let's quit talking about it. Let's do it. Let's live by faith. Let's say, God, here I am. Use me for your purposes and for your kingdom. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word. God, I thank you how, how when we read your word, God, it reads us. It reveals the condition of our heart. It reveals the sin that is in our heart. God, it reveals what the idols are in our life. God, it reveals so much. And your Holy Spirit searching us. God, reveals the true condition of our heart. God, thank you that you care about the heart. God, you don't need our money. You don't want our money. You want our heart. And God, if our heart is right... The money is right. So God, I pray that you would just bless this church, these people. God, I thank you for these two that have put their faith in you for salvation. God, I thank you that their heart has been changed today. Your word says that you have given them a new heart. God, I pray that you would show us how we can walk with them on the journey that they are on now. God, thank you for inviting them and allowing them to be a part of your church family. God, your faith family. God, again, thank you for your love for us. And I pray that you would use us this week. And God, that we would all live exciting, faith-filled lives. In Jesus' name, amen.